0: So, yesterday we discussed the process of what it means to break the Klippa. And that we break the Klippa by revealing the source of the Klippa, that it's actually Hashem. And that it's in a constant state of being enlivened and created by Hashem. And the moment that we do that, the Klippa loses its hold over you. And that, that's all that it really is, is a hold over you. And so, we're going to read now just two short paragraphs to finish off that idea. And then I'm going to introduce you to the next idea, which is explaining just the process of how we get from God to Klippa. What does that mean that the Klippa is actually God? And then we're going to take it back to the story of Mitzrayim. Okay, so we're on page 10, third paragraph. So we said that there is no remedy to extract the fruit without breaking the shallow peel. And yesterday at length we discussed what that actually means to break the Klippa. The Kach, and so too... In order to extract the sparks of holiness. From the peels, from the clippers that cover over these sparks. We need first to break the clippers. This was the whole point and purpose of the signs. Oh, here it says, okay, signs, wonders. Wonders. And plagues that happened in Egypt, that shaking up of the Klippa that we discussed, that clearly shows where the source of the Klippa comes from and who is the boss. Kedal Kaman, as we will further explain, emir tz please God. Now we're going to continue explaining this idea. We're going to talk a little bit about the Klippa of Mitzrayim and then understand how the process of the plagues and the signs and specifically this plague, this, this sorry, not this plague, this sign with the stick of the snake, um, Break the Klippah of Mitzrayim. So, the Hinexiv, it's written. This is all the way at the beginning of the Torah, in the story of Genesis of Boreshit. When we speak about Gan Eden and that Adam was in this garden called Aden, it's brought there, that there was a river that left Aden, and from there, that river splits up. David Rashim, and it became four heads of four rivers: Shem Hayachad, Pishon, etc. The name of one was Pishon, which is actually the Nile, etc. So this is bringing now Kabbalah. Okay um we're going to bring some I guess pure Kabbalah right here we're going to read the Pirush. we're going to read the Kabbalah and then I'm going to elaborate on it so switch skip to page 12 right this is this all here is an explanation of what we're going to what we're going to talk about um or Pirush. so what's the mystical meaning of the pshaf? the simple idea that there was a river that flew from Aden and that in Eden it split up into four big rivers or perish the Kabbalistic explanation is the idea of a river that left Aden. This is representative of the drawing down, and the shining, the flow and the shining, which is drawn down, from the highest level of the highest world, which we call Chokhma of Atzilus, the beginning of all of, of, of the worlds, where God's infinite light, resides. Okay. So we have a very simple verse that's brought. I wanted to read the verse for you inside but let me see first if it's actually maybe brought here the whole verse. Um, let me open it up quickly. Yud. See it, It's just literally two verses. Well, right at the beginning of the story of creation here. Bayes Yud. Here we go. Okay, so this is, first, with the context of what we're talking about in chapter 2 is we're talking about Gan Eden, about the different trees that were in Gan Eden, the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it says, Eden, And there was a river that left Eden, setagan, that flowed into the garden, which is called the garden of Eden, to water the garden. And from there it divides and it became four rivers. Shema Echad Pishon, the name of the first one is Pishon, which is the River Nile, who has sovevet kol Eretz ha What is There's parted. The whole land of Chavila. It's a land called Chavila. Okay. Asher sham Hazahav, which is there, which is the, the gold is found there. Um, and the, the gold that's found there is very good. Shema Badolach of Eben and they have this shoham uh, stone, so it's a very valuable area of land, which actually is the land of Egypt. This idea doesn't fit uh, geograph- geographically so much, although we do know that the Nile is in the area of Egypt and the Pishon is called the Nile. The Shema Nara Sheni Gihon, the name of the second, is called the Gihon River, who has some it called Eretz Kush. It surrounds the whole country of Kush. Kush is the whole area of what we call Ethiopia. The name of the third one is Chidekel, who Kidmas Ashur. It goes to the lands of what we call Ashur, uh, Assyria. Okay, these are ancient places. Haravi and the fourth one is Pras and it doesn't tell us exactly where Pras is located. Um, okay, so the Garden of Eden used to be this world. This world used to be the Garden of Eden until um, adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he was kicked out of the garden of eden and this world became not the, the garden of eden basically like left became a spiritual place and this physical world is 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 the world that we now find ourselves in however this physical world was the garden of eden and there were four rivers that left the garden of eden that the idea was and again geographically now doesn't work but the idea is that then there was one source of life flow of water that flew into the garden, flew, that flowed into the world and from there it split up and it was the source of water for like for all of these major geographical locations and they were all able to be sourced back to one source of flow which came from Aden, from the Garden of Eden okay again don't try and figure it out exactly although we have been told that um, Pishon is the Nile, okay? It says clearly um, they're the place of gold, etc. So that is just the simple, simple, simple. Now we get straight into the Kabbalah. And the idea is when we talk about a river, we talk about a flow of life, right? What is life? And a river is a flow of life that has a beginning, a source that then goes and sustains all the places that it flows to and that it draws its energy down to. And the idea is that um, we have this one, unified source of godly life as it flows from Eden to Gan Eden. Eden is Chochmah of Atsilis. It's the source of life. It's what we... Eden, okay? Eden is lots of names and, and explanations in Kabbalah for this term Eden, the garden of Eden. What's Eden? It's God, okay? It's God as he exists above, um, above all these aspects of revelation. And we that starts in Chochmah of Atsilis. It's God as he's one with his wisdom. That river then flows as one river because there still isn't separation and distinction in these levels of god down into what we call malchus of Azylis, okay malchus of Azylis, as we discussed before it's the lowest level it's the beginning of creation the beginning of recognition of the other gun eden was found in malchus okay the garden of eden what's a garden a garden is malchus so the river flows from the Chachmah, what we call Chochmah the highest level of God's Chachmah of wisdom, down into the Garden of Eden, down into Malchus. And from there, it splits up into four. So it's one unified source of energy that then splits up into four. Those four and the splitting up of this energy that then flows out of the Garden of Eden into the world represents the flow of the Clippers. The Clippers started off as a flow of pure, unified, godly energy that flowed from Chochmah it is down into Malchus and from there it takes on a new form and it takes on this form of the beginning of the concept of Klippa. What was unique about the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden was a spiritual perfect place that existed in the spiritual world of, of Malchus. What was unique about the garden? What was the one interesting part of the garden? Well, maybe we could say there were two. One was the tree of life and the other was the tree of knowledge of God, good and evil. There was no good and and evil in the Garden of Eden. And there's no evil or klippa in Malchus itself because it's a sephira. It's a godly emanation. There's no klippa there. However, the source of the potential for klippa lives there because the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of knowledge of good and evil exists there. The potential for klippa. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And no, I'm happy you said that. Should I I, like elaborate on that a little bit? Of the tree or of the whole thing? Because I know this is <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is lots easy. of esoteric stuff. Yeah. Okay, so so again, when it comes to when it comes to the Sephiris, we're talking very esoteric, very lofty spiritual ideas. But there is a hierarchy when it comes to God as he expresses himself into the spiritual worlds. And the hierarchy goes like this that at the beginning, at the top, there's God. Okay? And again, even there, there's many levels, but we won't get it. There's God. And God in this context is called Eden. Eden, okay? Um, God as he is one, as he is pure, holy, like simple, simple etc. And that's what we would call represented by, let's say, and beyond. Keser and all, all beyond would be called Eden, okay? That's God. God's Hashpa'ah, his influence, his life force, his energy flows from there in a unified way. It's clearly God's light that's coming there. And anything that receives and all these levels from God's light is one with God because it's very, very obvious that that this life force is coming from God. It's unified, it's one, and it's a very lofty level. It flows then all the way through what we call Seder this the whole order of descent, through all of the sephiris, down into the lowest place called Malchus of Atsilis. Malchus is where the garden of Eden, the spiritual garden of Eden is found. And the moment we say garden, we're starting to speak about a place that has all different things, right? It's not one unified thing. There's trees, there's this, there's that. And it's very clear that a garden is sustained by water, right? The water comes and gives life to the garden. So it's very clear who is sustaining the garden. And it was very clear when the world existed in the state of the garden of Eden, that God was the one sustaining the world. But in that garden, there was a tree called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowledge of good and evil knew absolutely who was giving it life and who was feeding this tree, the life force that came from God. But it was the knowledge of good and evil, the potential for the concept that there could be good, there could be God, and there could be evil. There could be something that covers over God. And the moment that Adam actually ate from the tree, he became good and evil, which we have discussed briefly before. He not only knew about good and evil, which is what he thought would happen, he became good and evil. His, 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 his form, his body, and his life became this mixture of good and evil of Kedusha and Klippa and the world became this mixture of good and evil of Kedusha and Klippa and so when we talk about the rivers okay it's brought in the Torah that there was a river that flowed into the garden of Eden where did that river where did that river come from it came from Aden it came from Aden and it flowed into Aden's garden it came from God and it flowed into God's garden and it sustained the garden and it was very clear that that was God's sustenance, that was God's life was energizing everything from there, because the garden of Eden now can act as an almost a filter, a filter for these lights. If you remember, we learned about parsers. Mm -hmm. So after the garden, there's a massive parser. And then when that life flow and that river flows through the garden of Eden now into the rest of the world, it goes through these screens and coverings. And now it's not a one unified energy, which is the truth that all of the energy comes from one source and now it splits up into four. There's division and now the quality of the water has changed of the flow and because it's flowed through the garden it now when it flows outward it flows in a way that you don't directly see its source anymore. You don't see clearly this comes from Aden. This comes from God. This life was, comes from God. Suddenly it's been covered over and it's like mm, I don't know where it came from. Maybe it came from the garden of Eden. Maybe it came from me. Maybe I made it myself. This is the beginning of the potential of what we call klipa. That this, this idea of the flowing of the gardens, of the flowing of the rivers out of the Garden of Eden. And there are four, which represent the four major clippers of the world, which are represented by the four exiles. Every exile that the Jews had to go through was a process of them finding themselves in the land and finding themselves in a state of suffering in order to elevate the clipper of that exile. And so the first one is represented by the Pishon River. That's the largest of the rivers. That is the Nile. That is Egypt. And then all four, um, as we continue down, each one in the descending order represents the different rivers that flow into the different lands where, where, we were, where we were exiled. So there was Egypt. There was Bavel, There was Rome. That's the fourth one. I always forget this. I forgot this last time too. Egypt, Bavel, Rome, and Greece. Thank you. I, I, I did check it up afterwards because I think we didn't know and I checked it up there. So there were four major sort of exiles that we found ourselves in. And these are represented by these major clippers that flow out of the garden of Aden that now feel their own sense of self. They don't feel that, that their life force, their flow comes from Aden, comes from God. And we have to break that. Okay. So this is what what this is doing. It's bringing a Kabbalah of a, of a, of a, of a verse in the story of creation that is teaching us about this flow of life and showing us that it all comes from God but then when it splits up it splits up in a way that you no longer see the source of that water of that life flow. Does that make sense? Yeah I just have one question. Sure. So um when you said like after Adam ate from the tree of good knowledge of good and evil and then like the Garden of Eden became spiritual and like where the garden was became this world. So you're saying the, the river that then split into four it's still like it still flows here we just know like it's not as obvious that it's like from eden are you talking about physically or spiritually now <laughs> i guess spiritually okay so spiritually absolutely okay. um even when it flowed out of the garden of eden where did it flow out to um, there was still a world of clipper that existed uh-huh. but adam didn't live there and the garden of eden had these Rivers that flew out, in, that flowed outward out of the Garden of Eden into Klippa, into the underworld, which we call. Pardon. And then at that point, it was physical and spiritual. Yes, okay. yes, yes. It's brought as a pshat in the Torah, oh, so okay. we take it as spirit as a physical like fact, mm-hmm. which again we don't exactly know how to trace it right now. Mm-hmm. The world looks very different. We don't have four major rivers that sustain all of these major lands. We have much, many, many, many more rivers. But there's a physical and then there's a spiritual aspect as well. And both, um, and, and they're relevant today. I mean, we have the Nile, for example, right? Um, can we pinpoint exactly where, what, how? No, but it, it, the idea is that there's a physical phenomena that represents the spiritual, the spiritual concept. Thank you. Okay, so... The of is bringing a mystical interpretation, which is sourced in Kabbalah. Um, There was a river that flowed from Eden to the garden, which watered all the plants and trees in the garden. After this river passed through the garden, it submerged underground and resurfaced as four different rivers. And so this idea is that when it submerged underground and then resurfaced, it went through a filter. Page 11 at the top. It went through a filter. That filter we call the parsa. When Kadusha holiness, goes through a filter, the way that that holiness and that life flow and energy comes out the other end looks different. And you can no longer clearly recognize its source. It doesn't look the same. And so one river, Pishon, was the Nile that flows through Mitzrayim. The second river was Gichon, the blue Nile that surrounds Ethiopia. The third river was Chidekel, Tigris, near Assyria. And the fourth river was Pras, the Euphrates. Okay? So picture the four rivers. Oh, so here is here is here is this. It's not very clear here, but showing us the rivers. Okay. On a mystical level, this r- river from Eden is a river of divine light that flows from the highest level of Atsilus called Chokhmah, wisdom, all the way until the lowest level known as the garden, which is Malchus or kingship. While the river... Okay, Eden is pleasure, since Hashem's pleasure is expressed in Chokhmah. While this river of life-giving divine light flows through Atsilis, it is still one river since this light is united with the Sephiris of Atsilis and the Sephiris with each other. This is analogous to a body that has one soul flowing through it since the various body parts form one cohesive entity. However, after this river of light flows through Malchus, the garden, it becomes submerged into a different level of existence where Hashem's oneness is not openly revealed. In that level, the created beings do not feel united with the divine light, nor with each other. This river of light resurfaces there as four different rivers, meaning that it becomes expressed differently in different aspects of creation. For example, in the four elements of fire, air, water, and earth, which Tanya teaches us represent four different types of clippers within ourselves, within the world that we need to break which represent different tendencies and aspects manifest throughout all levels of creation. And we did mention this briefly yesterday. There are different types of clippers and different ways of breaking clippers depending on what we're dealing with. There are some that are much, much stronger than others, for example, as well. After this river of light flows through the various aspects of the spiritual worlds and into the physical world, it further descends... To give life to an even lower dimension of existence known as Klippa or unholiness. So the rivers, as they come straight out of Malchus of Atsilas and out of the Garden of Eden, aren't directly Klippa, aren't evil. They're still flows and energies of God's light. But as they continue to descend and continue to descend in what we call Seder the order of descent, Atsilas is the first well, there's still Briah, there's still Yetzira, there's still the spiritual Aesirah. It, goes, it continues to go down all of these descents, this flow of light, to the point that by the time it reaches this world, it expresses itself as unholiness. Yes. Um, I think I'm a little confused in my head about like the fundamental meaning of Kalipa now. Because I heard you say a few minutes ago, like, Kedusha and Kalipa. So, Kedusha is like holiness, and then kalupa is like kind of unholiness or something. But it's yes. also a covering. Yes. So, when we say unholiness, we don't mean evil. Okay, we don't mean bad. We mean that which covers over holiness. Something, anything that doesn't openly express the truth of God would be called unholy. And this is actually, you should know that this is a Chiddush uh, novelty that Hasidus kind of introduced into the world based on Kabbalah. It's a very black and white way of thinking. If You learn the Tanya. On the one hand, we're, we're not into black and white, but on the other hand, it's either klipa or it's Kedusha. Like the thinking... The thinking before Hasidus was really that there's like, there's my life as a holy, as a, there's my holy aspect of my life when I go to shul, when I, learn, um, when I learn Torah, when I do mitzvahs. And then there's the unholy things that I need to stay away from, the sin. And then there's this in-between where I'm just like at work. It's like, leave me alone. Like, you know, <laughs> just like I'm, I'm working. Hasidus comes and says, no, 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 no. There's Klippa and there's Kedusha. This is based on, on Kabbalah. Um, what does Klippa mean? Not evil, not, there's not sin and mitzvah. There's not vera and mitzvah. There's avera. there's mitzvah, and there's the things in between which can either be klipah or kadusha, depending on what you do with it. It's a big problem that many people had with Hasidism. What is this black and white kind of thinking? Like, let me just go to work and like be at work while I'm either elevating the sparks at work or I'm not, and therefore it's klipa. Um So when we say klipah, we don't mean evil. We don't mean sin. We mean that which covers over the truth. And so the beginning of the potential of that is represented by these rivers that flew, flew up, that flowed out of the Garden of Eden. But the actual practical manifestation of that covering happens in this world after it flows down and descends so much and has layers and layers of spiritual coverings to the point that it comes to this world, we have physical matter that covers over the truth of God. What? That was helpful. Thank you. And then just that, like, any part. So I'm, like, having difficulty connecting like what how the rivers are so they're they're they're, they rep first of all the rivers themselves are not clipper this is all an analogy okay (laughs) when we talk about river we're speaking about a flow of energy and life which Mm -hmm. is what a river represents right Mm -hmm. the water which is life as it flows in and then it goes and sustains Mm -hmm. so we're talking about godly energy god is god and then he his, his energy, his life or his sustenance flows out of him to sustain and create the worlds, right? It starts off in a very unified, cohesive, obvious way. Mm-hmm. I am God, I am sustaining you, which is the reality in the upper spiritual worlds. There's no question for many of the angels. The lower angels understand less, but the higher angels, the higher souls, they exist. They're getting this one flow of godly energy from Aden, And it's very obvious to them, everything is god i come from god there's nothing other than god but as that river continues to flow it goes through the garden of eden and it splits up That splitting up of the river and that the idea of the of the river flowing into the earth and then coming out as four rivers represents the idea that 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 flow of godly light gets concealed and split up now it's not so clear it's not clear that there's one god that's sustaining everything there's four rivers which represents division Division is the beginning of the concept of Klippa. Okay. So Klippa didn't flow out of the Garden of Eden. The potential and possibility for a, a, a creation feeling that its life force, its river doesn't come from God began there. Okay, okay. thank you. Okay, makes sense? All right. So he said, the, Okay, after this, the four kingdoms of unholiness their, receive their life force from the four rivers of light, flowing through the spiritual world, which correspond to the four physical rivers that came from the garden. The kingdom of Mitzrayim received their life from the spiritual river called the or Nile, which also was manifest in the physical river Nile that flowed through their land, etc. <coughs> After the sin of the tree of knowledge by Adam, the first man, the sparks of Tov fell from him into the physical and spiritual river that flowed out of the garden where he was. They later became expressed in all the unholiness in the world but primarily in the four kingdoms that enslaved the Jewish people. So these four rivers, in a general, large way, represent these four kingdoms of Klippa that enslaved the Jewish people. We were enslaved so that we can break the Klippa in each and every one of these cases. More of these sparks of tow that fell into these rivers fell into the spiritual river of Pishon Nile that gives life to Mitzrayim than in any other spiritual rivers. So the most amount of godly sparks floated to the Nile, which went to Egypt. Which is why it was considered the most difficult of all of the exiles. These sparks were redeemed through the Jewish people's self sacrifice and the miracles and plagues in Mitzrayim. So we said, orin's of baruch. God's infinite, unified, simple light is sourced in the Chokhmah. It flows down in one river into Malchus of to listen into the Garden of Eden. And from there, the potential for Klippa emerges. There's a massive, what we call the screen of Parsa between Malchus of Atsilis and Bria, the next world, the biggest parts, the biggest separation of all exists there, exists in what we can literally physically imagine as the earth, the bottom of the Garden of Eden, and then the life flow, the water flowing through, then coming out the other end, has gone through a tremendous filter to the point that it no longer is as recognizable as the truth of God as before. Okay? And this is, again, this is this is the... We we spoke about this yesterday a lot. That klipa comes from God, but this is actually explaining it, okay? And just like a in a very kind of, I wouldn't say logical, but just like it's explaining the the concepts behind it, how it can start off as one river and flow into many, how God's energy can start off as clearly God's energy and then look as if it's energy that doesn't come from God. So let's continue with this idea of 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 the of the river. And again, this is. This is Kabbalah and it's if it's not like perfectly aligning and if you can't clearly visualize all of it, that's that's really totally fine. So Uba, the Yada through her Nimshach sof Silas through her is one moment the river. Okay. Through the river. The godly infinite flow of God's light flows into all of the world of Atzilas. The Nimshach Ad Silas Hanekragan, and it's drawn all the way down into Malchus of Atzilas, the lowest level, which is called a garden. The and this is what it means to water the garden, to sustain the garden with this infinite godly energy. The Sham, io Chad, bahon in the world of Atzilas, God's lights and his kelim are totally unified. Did you learn about that when you learned about kalim? About if i'm not going to get into it now but i'm just curious um the kalim the vessels did you learn about the vessels as they're expressed in atsilas mm-hmm. no okay so there's a the the vessels are unique in atsilas compared to the rest of the worlds the light and the vessels are one thing the vessels don't block the light whatsoever they just act as a conduit and a channel for the light the vessels in the lower worlds Block the light as well and filter the light. When a light meets a vessel in the lower world, when the soul meets the body, for example, the soul is not expressed the same way anymore. But when the light meets the vessels in the world of Atsilas, it it is just a channel. There's no blockage happening, which represents the fact that the world of Atsilas is just pure, open, godly energy and light. And everything that exists there knows 100% all the time from where it gets its light from and that it's one with God. Okay? Velachin, Hanahar, Therefore, the river, as it flows all the way from Chochmah, all the way through all of these sephirs in the world of Atzalus, is one, because the reality, the perspective of God in the world of Atzalus is of unity. There's nothing other than God there, which is why there is no creation in the first world of Atzalus. Because a creation automatically means something that has been created, that's separate. There's no separateness in this world whatsoever. So the river, the flow of energy, starts off as one, the cavern, Shehigia, Narosha Bria, but once it reaches the next world, the head of Bria. Yes. Okay. As, uh, right, As a Mishami there it splits up, the Prinas period, the division, separation, right? The beginning of division and separation happens here in the filter of Malchus into the next world. The potential for something to feel separate from God begins here and it's represented by the one river. Splitting up into four. Splitting up into four of us. It's the beginning of division. So we're literally learning exactly the process of how Clipper is created. This is how it happens. It starts off as God, 100% clearly, obviously, openly God. And this is how, as it sends, as this energy descends, it can somehow <coughs> express itself and sustain something that feels that it doesn't need God and that God maybe doesn't even exist. Um, um, okay. The hine. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go through this a drop. A drop quickly, okay? Because it's not like, it's it's okay. The hine kimsal hanaharas she'einar echadom el chavera. So just as a physical river, no phys- two physical rivers are exactly the same. Lo ba'mhusa not in their qual quantity, no quality. Shizel ma'im This river can have um, the quality of. Sweet waters, utslulin La Sheni, enoken, and the second river can have better waters, etc. So no two rivers are the same in quantity or quality. The lobagoitula, not in its size, and its quantity. This river can be can flow for 200 parcels this one for a hundred, kahai etc. So the idea is just that no two rivers are alike, no two sources of klipa are alike and therefore there are different types of klipa some have this quantity this amount some have this amount some are this type of quality and some are like this so to the spiritual rivers and flows of godly energy are not the same there's not four equal rivers of quantity and quality they are all different the Hainu meaning Pishon, Nilos, the river which we call Pishon, the first one that's brought, which we call the Nile, Sar Shal the spiritual minister of Egypt. Every single kingdom has a spiritual representative. Many, many sparks fell and flowed into this river and into this land called Egypt more than what flowed into Babel to Babylonia, more than what flowed into Greece, and more even than what flowed into Edom. It has the most sparks. And the idea there is that there had to be a tremendous shaking up to be able to extract all of these sparks, as we're going to see. No, I, don't, I have a question. The, you said, the, and like... Uh, the, well, it relates that, there are, no two that are, are the same as to sources of Kripa, but isn't the source of Kripa, the ultimate source is one, like, yes so yes that, that you're looking at it now from the perspective of truth that the source yeah. of everything is equal and the same it's God yeah. but as it flows downward and then expresses and it itself once it separates it doesn't separate equally it separates differently and, and so no two exiles to are alike. To this. Kind of like to the next level. Like after the axillus, we're referring to the next level that is already separated. That's what we're referring to. Exactly. The moment we have separation, we have different quantities and qualities of separation. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. Is this making sense so far? Oh, and here we have a little diagram. As we can see, the river of divine light. Again, it's not a river, it's just a flow. It's a spiritual concept of a flow that goes through the world of Atsilis in a unified way because it's clear and obvious that God is one in this world, goes to the garden, and then it splits up into four. Okay. So because more sparks fell into the spiritual life force of Egypt than into the other other unholy kingdoms, the accomplishment in redeeming them was of the utmost significance. This is expressed in the fact that the exile and redemption from Mitzrayim enabled the redemption from all further exiles, including the current exile. May we merit the redemption immediately. Egypt is considered the exile that represents all exiles. And the fact that we were redeemed from that exile, that we broke the clip of that exile, gives us the energy, the power to be able to break all the clippers of the following exiles. I'm going to share um, an interesting, st- um, maybe two interesting stories, just about this idea of like that, that there could be physical places, geographically in a physical world, but that represent spiritual things and can have more or less clipper, okay? Um, a very interesting story that... In the time of the Alter Rebbe, so the Alter Rebbe lived in the beginning, mid-1800s, there were a delegation of Jews who came to him and who said that um, there was was an area that had used to be Poland. Poland used to be a massive, 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 like, empire that spanned, like, areas of Russia and Germany and, like... Was huge and it broke apart. I think in 1770. I think in the same year that America was established. 1776, 76. 70. I think in 77. That was the year that the po- that Poland, like Russia, took this piece and it just broke apart. Um, but there was still for for centuries it had been this massive kingdom, and so it was considered like so it has a spiritual counterpart, Poland. And so there was an area in Poland. That the czar, whatever he was called, was demanding a lot of money from the Jews. And there was a delegation that came to the Altaraba complaining, like, what do they want from us? Like, this was a common thing that, like, oh, we need money, like, just tax the Jews, right? Um, or just say, pay up or you're getting out. And the Altaraba said something super interesting. He said, okay, I hope I'm, I'm, I might be embellishing a drop, and not quoting exactly, but, but he said that the, every place that the Jews come to, the the people the the spiritual counterpart of that nation doesn't want the jews to come there because they know that jews come to a place do well prosper make the whole place prosper and then they leave and the place falls it's just like a known thing so nobody wanted the jews were wondering they had been kicked out of this place or that place they were wondering they didn't have a place to go the spiritual minister of poland said i'll take them but he knew the consequence of it and said i'll take them but i need to be promised a mountain of gold the the, the, the the size of a horse and its rider, which is a lot of gold. <laughs> and so literally the altar of it told these people, when Poland asks for money from you, you have to give it. I just I remember hearing that story years ago i just what? But that's why he told them, when Poland asks for money from you, that's why that's that's how we're here. There's these spiritual things that are that happen that very much represent geographical places. And the yidden moving from one place to another place and coming and leaving. There are Real spiritual things happening, and the second story is that in the early 1990s there was a push um, by, by a lot of people to try and bring Jews back to Poland. Um, Germany has done this they like literally paid Russian Jews to come. To Germany, which is why there are a lot of Russian Jews in Germany today. Um, they literally pay people. They, it was part of like their teshuva. Like they also brought a lot of Muslims there. But, so just to shake things and make it spicy. But, um, but Russia, Russia did the same thing as well. Um, you know, like we, we did this to you, now come back. And so there was a push by a certain Jewish community. A very, very wealthy Jewish man um, to, to, to bring Jews back to Poland. And he came to the, the Rebbe to, to ask about this. And the Rebbe said... The Jews who live in Poland now, which was very few, we need a we need a support. But I don't see a future for Jewish people in Poland. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. And if you look at today, I mean I mean Germany has a thriving Jewish community. Russia, thriving Jewish community, Hungary. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Russia <laughs> Not I don't know if you call it thriving, but surviving, let's put it. That. <laughs> surviving Jewish community. Poland, <laughs> like what's going on? In Pol- it's, it's like there was a hundred pro- percent prophecy going on there, but there's also something spiritual. Like the Jews went through, so- and I, now I'm literally just adding embellishing. But <laughs> the Jews went through something in Poland that they, when they left, that's it. We don't need to go back there again. Not that you don't, you're not. There's no Israel going back to Poland. Although my great grandfather, who was Polish, his entire family was murdered um, in the Holocaust. Um, he hated the Poles much more than the Germans and the Nazis, like. Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, they, were very, very, very cool. they were very 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 There's so a implicit. there's a there's a there's a Jewish music festival in Krakow every year. Yeah. Yeah. And hundreds of thousands of Poles go. And one of the main reasons that I've heard is that they just want to understand like who are these people that we hated so much? Like they trying to understand because today anti-Semitism it's not the same as it was, but there's something in the Polish blood that looked for centuries and like people go non-Jews, hundreds of thousands of non-Jews go to this Jewish music festival because they're trying to understand a bit about like, who are these people that we, that we just murdered and hated so much? Um, there, are, there are spiritual things that happen when Jews come to a place and when things happen and they come and they go. And, and so part two of this Mimer, we're going to be now taking everything that we've just learned and going back to Egypt and going back to this first miracle, this first sign and to try and understand what, What was going on in Egypt and how did these signs and miracles actually accomplish the getting out the sparks and the breaking of the khlipa that we've been talking about in this context? Um, Questions or comments? Because we're going to continue this on Sunday because tomorrow we don't have class unless it rains. If it rains, then let me know, I'll come. (laughs) I'm I'm happy to come if you're not volunteering. Um, (laughs) so, So we'll continue with that, okay?